Join me again this morning in scripture reading. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, and it can be found in some of your pew Bibles on page 685. Again, our scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. Matthew, chapter 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. May God bless the reading of his word. This morning we have Pastor Stephen Bowman, our children's pastor, who will continue our series on living the kingdom lifestyle. Thank you, Emily. It's a joy to be uh, before you, this congregation, this morning. I feel like I get to spend very little time with Crossbridge. So it's a privilege to be able to share God's words with you this morning. About a month and a half ago, Pastor David asked if I could preach for him uh, this Sunday, because he's at a retreat uh, teaching. And... After a week or so, he told me that I could choose any topic from the Sermon on the Mount. And on one of my walks past week, I thought about what it must have been like to actually be present, sitting there while Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, the Son of Man, gave the greatest sermon preached by the greatest teacher ever. From Matthew chapter 5 to the end of Matthew chapter 7, from the first beatitude to the uh, parable of the, the house built on the solid rock, and everything in between, Jesus taught about the, such a wide range of all the things that we experience as human beings. And at the time that I was considering what to preach, I had recently been judged by some extended family members, and it really hurt me. It was very harsh judgment. And a huge part of me wanted to just lash out and, you know, respond in like manner. But praise be to God, I really started studying, you know, what Jesus really means in this passage that uh, was just read. So let's, uh, let's pray and we'll open up God's word together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you are Lord, that you are King, that you love us so much. God, we ask that you would uh, pour out your mercy upon us, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Father, that you would uh, help us, Lord, that you would be with us, that we would strive to be transformed more into the likeness of you, Jesus. 
So bless our time now as we open up your word, Lord. Speak to us. May your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I will briefly, uh, I'll read the passage again, even though it was just read. This is from the old version of the NIV. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So this first verse should have like a wow and an exclamation point next to it. We could spend the next half hour just discussing this verse. I googled the most misquoted verses. This is number one. So what does Jesus mean when he says, judge not, or you too will be judged? Is Jesus telling us that we are never to judge? Jesus is not telling us that, and we will see that as we unpack the following verses. But the very nature of this verse is that when we judge, it's very easy for the person we are judging in most cases, to look at us and say, well, who are you to judge me? You know, you, you have the same problem. You have the same issue. So this verse is often misquoted in that when we use it, we're saying, don't judge me, because you know, Jesus said, don't judge. Or we misuse it in the manner in which we judge. And we're going to go over some different contexts of how we, where we judge. And it's very, very difficult because our sin nature, we, we, this is very hard for us to practice, to practice what we preach when we tell, judge not or you too will be judged. So what is judging or how should we judge? How should we? I, I looked up Webster's definition so judging is having, showing, or done with good judgment. Wise, sensible, common sensible, intelligent, smart, reasonable, discerning, discriminating. Wouldn't we all like to be judged that way? But for us as Christians, I would add that when we judge, we are to do so according to the word of God. We, would, we are to judge righteously. So when we judge, we need to do so according to the word of God, and 
we need to do so righteously. But think of the word righteous. What does righteous mean? Holy, perfect, set apart. This is impossible for us apart from the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's look at context in judging. We're going to go over to today's passage, the context of today's passage, which we know is done to the Sermon on the Mount. And then in particular, at that very moment, Jesus was stressing brothers, his disciples. And then we're going to look at, in closing, the John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, which I believe is probably the best example of how we, how we can learn from how we are to judge. And what does context mean? Depending on or relating to the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement, or idea. When I think back to my years at Gordon-Conwell, it was hard, a week didn't go by where a professor did not stress context. Context is very important for all of our situations in life. Where are we? What are we doing? Who are we with? What are we hoping to accomplish? So context is very important. So we're going to look at the current passage, which it talks about brothers. We're going to look, uh, I just want to briefly mention a few, just to give you a sense of different contexts in which Jesus judged. Matthew seven fifteen through 16, later on in chapter 7, Jesus judges us as followers, and he warns us not to be deceived by sheep, wolves in sheep's clothing. And then Luke chapter 8, 9 through 14. This is the story when the tax collector and the Pharisee go to pray. And the Pharisee's praying, I thank you, God, that I am not like this sinner here. I tithe. I help the poor. I do this. I do that. And of course, the, the tax collector couldn't even look up to God. He looked down and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. The tax collector went home judged by God righteously. And then John 13, 26, in which I hope none of us ever experience this kind of judgment. But this is when Judas and Jesus dipped their hand in the bowl together. And Jesus judged Judas very harshly in saying, it would be better for you if you had never even been born. So the context is very important when we consider judging. It's very easy for us to judge those who are in authority in our lives. Our boss. How easy it, is it for us to judge our boss? When I think of judging our boss, I love the saying of, until you've walked a mile in my moccasins, you know, don't judge me. It's not easy being a boss. Sometimes we judge our coworkers. I'm going to give you more detail about, in particular, wives and husbands and then children when it comes to judging. But as I already shared, it's easy for us to be judged by our family or to judge our family and friends. We need to be uh, very careful when we consider judging those in our lives. Government officials, elected officials, it is very easy for us to judge them. I don't like to e even mention politics, but it's, it's getting easier and easier for us to judge. I believe our system's been broken for a long time. 
And when I'm tempted to judge one of my elected officials, I pray for them. I pray for them. God just said, stop judging and pray for them. In fact, that's biblical. Romans chapter 13. So the next time you're tempted to judge your elected official, pray for them. Our teachers and professors, very easy for us to judge them. Very easy for us to judge them. Pastors, very easy for us to judge our pastors. In a church this size, we have around a thousand critics. I'm going to have a core leaders meeting after this, uh, after lunch today. I always tell my core leaders, I welcome constructive criticism. It's harsh criticism. It's criticism behind my back that I do not appreciate. None of us do. And you know what? Sadly, I think many of us at times, we even judge God. Now, during these difficult times in our lives, these really, really gut-wrenching times in our lives, I think it's okay to say, why, God, why? But I think for many of us, we, we judge God too easily. And are we holding up our end of the bargain? Are we really studying the Word of God? Are we really meditating upon the Word of God? Are we really praying? Are we really striving to, to know God and to love God and to follow God and to serve God? Be very careful about judging God. So let's talk about judging in marriage. So many of you are not married, but Lord willing, you will be married someday. But this little slogan here, I'm going to read just in terms of, especially for those of us who are husbands and wives. If you've never been a husband, or on the flip side, you've never been a wife, no matter how long you've lived together, how many kids you've raised, all of your experience, you don't know what it's like to stop judging what you don't understand. I've been married over 20 years, and by the Lord's grace, Angie and I have a good marriage. But there are still times where she will judge me for something, and I'll be like, that never even entered my radar screen. And then vice versa, I'll judge her on something, and she'll be like, where is that coming from? What, why is that important? We need grace when we consider judging in our marriages. What about judging in children? There are a lot of things that... Uh, well, first of all, children are so important. They're important to me. They're important to God. And as parents, there's a lot we can learn when we think of judging in our children. First of all, when our children judge us, I, I like to stop and think, is there an element of truth in that? Is there an element of truth in the judgment? Because kids have judged, even the kids in church here judge me, not just my own child. So I like to stop and think, is there an element of truth in that? And based on the scripture reading this morning, yes, usually there is. But sometimes we judge by our kids, and it's not true, and that's really, really hard. You need patience, self-control as parents to not lash out when you're judged harshly by your own kid. But then, uh, 
as a parent, how we judge is going to affect how our children judge when they get to be older and adults. So be very careful when you're considering, when you consider judging in your children. What about cyber judgment? Cyber judgment. This to me is very scary. If you Google cyberbullying or cyber judgment or something like that, it is scary. It is sad what you see. People are, who are judged and bullied harshly, the, the suicides are just, they're just, it's, they're rampant. It's happening weekly. And this isn't just for teenagers, but I think in many ways we're losing our ability to relate to each other face to face. I mean, I see people texting and they're in the same building, they're in the same road, you know, in the same house, people texting rather than getting up and talking face to face. Be very careful. And this is not just, like I said, a youth or children's issue or young adults issue. Although your world is all cyber. I mean, you need to learn to develop face-to-face. But right now, even in our church, there's some inappropriate activity going online with WeChat in some of our adult circles. I'm very thankful that our elder board has just come out with a um, conflict resolution document for our church. It's in the very early, it's in the draft stages. But we really need to practice biblically how to resolve conflicts. We are the example for our children. We are the, our God's example. And of course, Jesus has the best teaching when it comes to conflict resolution. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. And of course, if I have an issue with someone here, my responsibility as a Christian is to go to you face to face and say, look, I have this issue. Let's talk about it. Let's pray together. I'm willing to forgive you. Will you be willing to forgive me? Can we reconcile? Can we do this for the sake of the kingdom? For God's sake? For the unity of our church? For the unity of our family? Whatever the conflict is. And then, in a, in a church setting, if the conflict isn't arrived, uh, resolved one-on-one, face-to-face, Jesus says, get a pastor, get an elder, go together to that person and try it again. Pray. I forgive you. Let's work this through. And then there are further instructions. In 1 Corinthians, there was a brother in the church who was doing something so completely inappropriate, it was appropriate to kick him out of the church. So there is a biblical procedure in how we should resolve conflict. Let's continue on with this morning's passage. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I think this is twofold here, what Jesus is saying. So if I tend to be a person who judges people harshly, then you're going to judge me harshly. 
But I also think that the Lord is going to consider the way you've been judgmental to so many people, inappropriately judgmental. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We all are going to have to give an account. This should make you slow to judge alone, just this verse. Because the measure you judge another, you yourself will be judged. Often when we judge, we project. We project. So when we're judging... We're really trying to satisfy ourselves rather than our consideration of the person or whatever we're judging. Projection. The attribution of one's own ideas, feelings, or attitudes to other people or to objects. Especially the externalization of blame, guilt, or responsibility as a defense against anxiety. I find this to be very true in a lot of cases. When people are so harshly judgmental, they're really just trying to make themselves feel better and not have to face the same thing they might be judging you on. Or I, I came across this when I was preparing for this. So it's very easy for us to point the finger at someone else, but I never realized this. When we're pointing the finger at someone else, we're pointing one finger at them, but three fingers back at ourselves. It's kind of like the two by four with the, you know, in my eye and the speck in their eye. Be careful. Be slow to judge. This is also a new word I added to my vocabulary when I began to study this. Sensoriousness. To be severely critical of others, especially in judging manners or morality. Ill-natured. False finding, querulous, negative, and destructive, actively seeking out failures. Actively seeking out failures. Do you see this in today's world? Sadly, I see this way too often. So my question for all of us here this morning is, are you at times censorious? Please be careful. Please be slow to anger. So I actually need a prop for this part of the sermon. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? So, verse 7-1 is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. It's, it's actually num- listed as number one is the most, uh, judge not or else you will be judged. But this passage also contains one of the most humorous moments of Jesus Christ's human ministry. That is what really, when we judge, you should think about this. If you had this thing sticking out of your eye, Do you think you'd be so ready and so quick to judge others? I also have some specks in different sizes, chips from another two by four. This is just to say we all have something like this in our eyes, some size. 
maybe some of us even have a, the full length of this two by four or multiple two by fours or even a lumber yard in our eye. We should be striving towards having the smallest piece in our eye because of our sin nature. We're always going to have something that blurs our vision. I came across this uh, excellent example of explaining these three verses in our daily bread. Our daily bread is a uh, daily devotional that produced. It's it's really good. It's it's short daily devotional. So let's listen to this. So according to Jesus, it's a bad idea to major in speckology while suffering from plankitis. So what is... Oh, okay. I, I jumped ahead. So according to Jesus, it's a bad idea to major in speckology while suffering from plankitis. So many of you, you graduating seniors, you're going to be uh, going to your college and you're going to look at the catalog. Let's pretend that this course is offered, speckology. Speckology, the identifying and criticizing of small shortcomings in the lives of everyone around you, very popular course, fills up early. But don't forget, because you suffer from plankitis. Plankitis, a disease that distorts self-perception and renders an individual incapable of recognizing personal faults, occurs worldwide. This is an illness that we all have. So, of course, Jesus has the recommended surgical procedure. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus has a wonderful sense of humor. If you call yourself a Christian, and here we all are at church, so hopefully many, most of us here or all of us are Christians, when it comes to speckology and plankitis, we should be different. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Restore him gently, with grace, with mercy, with compassion, for the greater good, for the unity, for the love, for Jesus. Okay, I've got to move here. This picture looks cute probably to many of us. But, well, the dog looks kind of agitated. But anyway, in the ancient Near East, pigs were so unclean to the, to the uh, Jewish people they couldn't eat them, they couldn't touch them, they couldn't even go near them. And dogs were very treated very differently than we treat our dogs. They were scavengers, they lived in the street. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. 
So again, when we are judging or when we've been judged, we need to use the wisdom and the grace that God has given us. Because there are certain cases when we're, when we're judged, especially if we're judged by non-Christians, that if we go and hit them over the head with the Bible or we begin quoting scripture or something, we are likely maybe going to make that matter worse. So again, when we went over all those situations of the different contexts, we need to be very careful how we judge and how we respond to judging and, and, and avoid having this uh, come to happen in our lives or experience this. Okay, let's look at John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to do this very quickly here because we need to do communion. So this is the case where Jesus was again teaching another occasion and the Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus who was caught in adultery. The Old Testament penalty for being caught in adultery is being stoned to death. But the wisdom of Christ, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Then those who heard began to walk away one by one, the older and the wiser first. Then Jesus asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I love this verse. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. If you're judgmental, if you're quick to judge, go now and just pray and ask God, help me to be slow to judge. Whatever that's, if you're spending too much time doing inappropriate things on on your phones and online, go now and leave your life of sin. If you're looking at things online that you shouldn't be looking at, go now and leave your life of sin. Whatever it is, go now and leave your life of sin. So Jesus, so let's learn this lesson here. The next time you, you're considered being judgmental, stop. Take a deep breath. I'll often teach the kids, count to three. One, two, three. Take a deep breath. Before you, you, you decide to act, think. Think about it. Think about the, the consequences of how your judgment or how you respond to being judged. Pray. Pray, 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 and err on the side of grace. Because God is the ultimate judge. Jesus is coming back. He's going to make all the sin and all the bad things, he's going to make them right in his way and time. Be slow to judge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time we could open up your word together. Father, we ask that you would... Help us to be slow to judge, Lord, to practice grace, to use the wisdom, and to use your word as we consider uh, the next time, Lord, we, we want to judge or we've been judged. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.